And fellow craft beer drinkers, welcome to Tap the Craft Podcast. My name is Denny Luce, and on riding shotgun is my buddy John Ream. And John, how are you doing tonight? A little sad, a little sad to be honest. Uh, it's a it's a bit of a bittersweet day for Reds fans. Uh, a longtime uh, right fielder, Jay Bruce, has been traded. Oh, okay. it's a long time coming, <laughs> but uh, we had to say goodbye. So. Okay, was he a good player? Yeah, he it was a little streaky, but uh, a lot of fun to watch. And um, he actually came, he debuted uh, when I was in school in Cincinnati, and so when I was actually going to a bunch of games and stuff. So uh, it was a lot of fun, but rebuilding. So gotta gotta move guys that have have value. So okay, okay. Well, hey, I know that our buddy Mr. Devious, Devious Mr. Matt, is probably also sad because uh, he's a huge Reds fan and he does go to the games. Uh, hopefully, you guys will pick up some great players and it'll be right up there in the in the championship uh, race this year. You think that might happen? Not this year. No. Okay, okay. It's no. a building rebuilding year. Yeah, it's a rebuilding couple of years probably. Okay, all right. Well, uh, hopefully your your night will go better as we chat and uh, drink some beers but uh, before we get into that i just want to let everyone know that they are listening to episode 53 yes this is 5-3 what does that mean that means it's the first episode of season three of tap to craft yes we are starting our third year of putting out this craft beer podcast so welcome and we are recording on monday august 1st 2016 and this week we are going to be Diving into some news articles covering a wide gamut of topics, such as some questions that brewers wish you would ask while I'm while touring their brewery. So hey, learn from uh, the brewers what they want you to ask. We're going to talk about that. Also, there's some must-try saisons that you must partake in this summer. There's an article on that I'd love to share with you guys. Also, another craft beer takeover has occurred. A couple more. We'll we'll briefly discuss that. And if you are looking for a new job, there is a job available. If you know your beer history, then you might be interested in this. And, of course, you'll have all of John and mine's normal beer banter. But before we get into the meat of the show, let's share what's in our glasses tonight. So, John, what are you drinking? Tonight I am drinking from Six Point uh, Craft Ales, their resin, Mm. uh, which definitely coats your tongue um with happiness uh, okay. pretty fast uh but it's got a nice firm bitterness um but it still has pretty big supporting malt character not as not what i was expecting as much uh from what seemed like it was going to be a, like a double ipa uh-huh. like not as dry as you usually have um but it, it's working it's it's kind of uh, I actually, it's kind of more like uh, the arrogant bastard in a way. Okay. Um, yeah, the big bitterness, but still the extra malt character. All right. There, so. All right. Did you did you bring back a four pack of that, or did you? I can get that in your local area. Uh, nope. It came back with me from our our travels. All right. Well, good. Good for you. 
That's uh, six point is one I don't get a lot of. Even when I'm in Virginia, I always try to search out their stuff, and it's very limited amounts of stuff I can get. So I'm glad you were able to partake in some of their offerings. In uh, well, you you're in Pennsylvania, right? Uh, yeah, Pennsylvania and New Jersey. New Jersey. So okay. I, uh, I got a mixed a uh, couple of six packs of six packs and and grabbed uh, three different ones from them, all okay. of which ended up coming home. Because uh, we drank all the bottles, yeah. Saved the cans for last in case we had to bring stuff back. Good so. thinking. Good thinking. All right. So how about you? What are you drinking tonight? Well, you know what? I am going back to an old favorite, and that's the session, the full sale session ales or lagers that they have. And I've got this mashup pack that they are now, you know, giving out. It's like four different varieties of their beers. And tonight I am drinking the session cream ale version of in that in that pack, and it's a a nice lighter ale that uh, you know goes down pretty pretty smoothly. Um, I'm uh, battling. I'm I'm getting over a uh, flu bug I caught yesterday, so um, this is a nice uh, little tummy you know coater that doesn't upset my tummy too bad. So it's nice. It's a nice beer to drink tonight. Yeah, ease you back in. Yeah. From- being sick yeah and of course my wife she loves me so much she said you're not gonna drink tonight are you i said uh come on honey I, this is a craft beer show i have to be drinking it's just not right if i don't drink something so i told her i'd just drink these these nice session cream ales and you know it's, it's like it's like uh you know it fixes everything <laughs> there you go all right so you already mentioned john that you may have partook in some exciting adventures since our last recording why don't you let us know about some of these adventures that you had. Yeah, so I had a couple uh, noteworthy events. So the first of which was a bottle share uh, with uh, like 10 to 12 people. Everybody brought a couple bombers. Um, there were a few growlers mixed in there as well. Uh, but good friends, some good beers, good times uh, were had by all. So mm. uh, it was a lot of fun. And I'll mention a uh, few of the notables that I enjoyed. Uh, I did give out a five cap Uh-oh. during that event, which you know, uh, that's rare. It's business for me. Yeah. Um, and that was for the Rubens bourbon barrel aged Imperial stout. Oh, wow. Uh, that somebody brought. And I actually think I have a bottle of this still sitting in my fridge. So I'm pretty happy about that. <laughs> um, but it was just really well put together. You know, the, the bourbon character was just right. Wasn't overbearing. Uh, it all just blended together really well. Um, so I went to pull that beer out for a special occasion sometime uh, and relive it. Uh, another one is from Wingman Brewers. Uh, they're in Tacoma, Washington. And they have a P51 Porter um, that uh, was one of the first two beers they put out. And uh, my wife Kristen really likes it. Um, and when we were looking at stuff to bring, we saw they had a coconut version of mm-hmm. it available. So okay. we grabbed that to take. Uh, and that was also really nice. The coconut uh, came through really well. Uh, it just really worked. Um, and I think it's one that that you would enjoy, Denny. So of course, uh, if I can if I can find it uh, in tandem with uh, one of your visits, I'll have to try to grab it so you can uh, try it out. Awesome. Um, and the last one uh, I'll mention. Uh, I really enjoyed this. Was this one was one of the growlers that somebody brought, and the growler ended up coming back with me uh, to my house <laughs> when it was still half full and I finished the whole thing that night after the uh, bottle share. Oh, wow. Um, 
And that's the uh, Georgetown Brewing Gusto Crema Coffee Ale. Uh, and this was uh, it's a coffee beer that it was made with a light um, ale, kind of like a Kolsch or something like that. Uh, but it also had, I'm guessing, some lactose or something in there because it did have a bit of that like coffee and cream mm-hmm. uh, thing going on. It was so delicious, so smooth, and so easy to drink. Um, I could have easily put down that growler by myself um, had somebody just put it in front of me, and I wouldn't have even realized it. Oh, wow. That's just how easy this went down. It was so good. So I'm I'm hoping I can find some more of that. I don't know if that's going to be available all the time or not, um, but I have to keep my eye out for it around here. Um, wow, sounds sounds great. Yeah, it it, it was really good. Um, and had it not been for the the Rubens uh, Stout, it would have been the my top beer of the bottle share. So uh, it's pretty um, it's pretty impressive that this bottle share at least had three beers that were highly rated. So you, it sounds like, and they were kind of at least two of them were darker beers. Was uh, was the theme of this bottle share uh, go big and dark and bold, or was it just bring anything? Uh, it was bring anything, but it seemed like most people kind of brought something either from their cellar or that would have been cellar worthy, mm-hmm. and then something else. Okay. Um, and uh, so it, it was really nice. And there's, I mean, I had other four plus cap beers that I left off this list. So, I mean, there was a lot of good stuff. Oh, nice. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was it was fun, and I, it's actually my first like true bottle share where that was like the focus of the you know the the gathering we've had other things where people just bring beer and we end up sharing a whole bunch yeah it's my first like true bottle share so it it was a lot of fun and i hope we can maybe get this group together on a semi-regular basis to do to do this yeah that sounds like fun yeah um all right so what's what's this traveling you did tell us about that yeah so my brother-in-law uh, was getting married, so we were heading back east for the wedding uh, out in New Jersey. And uh, so I was trying to take advantage, grab some things that I uh, can't get out here. Um, and, uh, you know, I was excited. They they were having some good beer for the wedding. Uh, they were having some Sierra Nevada, some Fat Tire, you know, better than your usual mm-hmm. oh, uh, yeah. wedding fare. Um but they had storms uh, forecast for for the wedding day, uh, but you know the hit forecast was kind of getting better uh, as the week went on. Um, it was less rain, just maybe scattered thunderstorms, um, but it was an outdoor reception, so everybody was a little nervous about it. Uh, so day of the wedding, uh, it starts raining real hard about an hour before the ceremony starts. And uh, by the time the ceremony had ended, uh, it was raining so hard that the uh, chapel basement was flooding. Oh, no. Um, In the middle of the ceremony, everyone's phones were going off because a flash flood warning uh, was being sent (laughs) out, like an emergency (laughs) notification. Um, And, uh, you know, it's it's an outdoor reception. And the uh, road... (laughs) <laughs> the reception was closed because it floods when it runs along a river. Um, but apparently the the point that the river overflows is like further past uh, the reception. So they're like, just drive around the barricade and uh, come down to this farm where where it was. So we all 
go down, driving through some water, running over the road and everything. And we get there, and there's standing water, like, underneath the tent they have set up. They've pushed all the tables and chairs over into two-thirds of the tent. Uh, where my table was supposed to be was now just under three inches of water. Um, so it, it was, uh, it, you know, it, it took a little bit of the uh, shine off, but everybody <laughs> uh, had a lot of fun. Um, because of the weather, I didn't partake uh, in too much uh, beer because uh, I wanted to make sure that um, whenever, if we had to get out, uh, we could get out, mm-hmm. um, you know. Um, so I only had a couple, and I did have a, a Corona light um, since we were basically on the beach now um, <laughs> next, to the, next to the ocean. Um, but that also got me a unique check-in. You know? Oh, my god! So that, that worked. Uh... <laughs> but you know what? It was a, it's a wedding that nobody's going to forget, uh, even if it didn't turn out exactly as planned. Everybody rolled with it. The caterers did awesome. The DJs did awesome, even though they couldn't you know, set up outside and... Mm-hmm. You know, everybody just made do, uh, made do, and uh, had a lot of fun. So, oh, worked out. Well, I'm glad you guys were able to make, uh, you know, a, a could have been miserable, horrible time into a fun time. That's good, and and uh, yeah. Well, hopefully they were able to drink all that beer. Did they have a couple of kegs of the, of those two beers, or were they all in in cans and bottles? Uh, it was all bottles, oh, okay. and uh, because of the rain and everything. Uh, a bunch of the, like, they had, like, 12 cases that couldn't be returned to the distributor that they had to pay for and, like, get a, <laughs> give away or get people to take them. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. Hey, you get wedding gifts leaving a wedding. That's awesome. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't take a case on the plane. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, excellent. Well, I don't have any exciting, fun uh, news to talk about this time, but I'll talk about my noteworthy beers. I know you probably have a couple more noteworthy ones, but let me go ahead and talk about mine first, and we'll get your last little bit of noteworthy stuff out uh, after I talk about mine, because I want to go next. So uh, <laughs> I have a few, uh, I, have a, I have one surprising beer that really surprised me, and it's from Pyramid Brew, uh, Breweries, and Pyramid is, uh, from what I remember Pyramid, it was based out of Seattle, in your area. I don't know if if, you know, I know they have uh, breweries now over in different spots of the United States, but when I first remember Pyramid back in the 90s, it was right there in Seattle. And what it's most known for is stealing away my favorite craft brewer that was next to my base, that Thomas Kemper Brewing. They you know, acquired Thomas Kemper and then stole their recipes and then closed them down or whatever, something like that. I don't know the details, but that's what I remember Pyramid Breweries. But they had a special beer release, and... Uh, because it was, uh, I'll name, name it right here, it's called Coat of Ale's Belgian Triple. And because it's a Belgian Triple, and you know how I love my Belgian ales, I've, and it was only like five bucks, I said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and give this a shot. And I will tell you what, if this isn't one of the best Belgian Triple ales that I've had. I mean, it it pretty much ranks up there pretty close to uh, uh, Triple Carmelite. Uh, as far as uh, smoothness oh, wow. and flavor and everything, it had so much flavor. Everything from bubblegum to banana to cloviness. I mean, every, everything. A little bit of peppery finish even. I know that a lot of triples don't really have that peppery, but it had a little bit of a, a little peppery thing in there too. It had 
so much going on that I also gave a five cap rating out to this beer, John. So not only did you last, you know, recently give a five cap rating, I also gave a five cap rating. That's how good that beer was. And it surprised me because I'm used to what comes out of Pyramid is, you know, their, their apricot ale or whatever. They, you know, they have some, and have a vise and they have a few beers, but nothing that really stands out that, that makes me go back to that brewery uh, until this beer came out. So, John, I, uh, I, I, I want you to go and look for this beer before it's all gone and see if you can pick it up in your area and, and give it a shot. Let me know what you think of that one. Yeah, I'll have to do that. Uh, so here, all their special stuff is always in all the grocery stores and everything because they okay. have a lot of shelf space. Yeah. So, um, I should be able to find that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that was uh, my surprise. Um, another surprise, kind of, for me is Green Flash Brewing. Uh, known for hoppy beers, pills and, and IPAs and stuff. They have a wide variety. A lot of hoppy stuff comes out of there. Well, they also release some not-so-hoppy stuff. They have a C2C uh, Zick, Zickle beer. It's like a lager, right? I, what, what exactly is a Zickle beer, John? Do you know off the top of your head what, what kind of beer that is? Uh, well, is, Zickle is a, like a tasting port. And so I think a Zwickel lager is like a um, kind of like an unfiltered, like raw lager type thing. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm not 100% on that. I, I, I can see that because this beer was uh, was not was unfiltered. It was a cloudy, a cloudy uh, yellow color. But I'll tell you what. Oh my gosh, I could drink a six pack of this beer in about 30 minutes. I'm sure uh, it went down so nicely. It is. It is a great alternative to an American type lager that you know that I, I'm not a big fan of the taste of Budweiser and and you know and, and stuff. But I'll tell you what, if you if people did like that, this could be a transition, but with more better flavor and and just just tastes better. It's just a very good lager. I really really enjoy this beer. I get I enjoy it so much. I get a four and a half cap rating, and that says a lot. That this this lager is for real. So again, if you can find Green Flash Brewing C to C lager, pick it up, give it a shot, and I think it's a great light lager that has some fantastic flavor. Yeah, it'd definitely be good for for summer. Sounds. Oh like. yeah. Oh, so it's it's. Let's go see if I can pick this up. It's refreshing. It's a summer beer for sure. And then. The last one I'm going to talk about is one that doesn't surprise me that I liked uh, because I pretty much like all the this type of, of beer. But it's from New Belgium, a collaboration with Hoften Dormal uh, out of Belgium. And it's called the Hoften Dormal Lips of Faith Belgian Golden Ale. And uh, this is a super tasty Belgian Golden Ale. Uh, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed all the Lips of Faith uh, series of that New Belgium puts out, but this one just had uh, a lot of good, a lot of stuff going on. It has so much going on in it, I can't even remember like how to you know explain you know what flavors I was getting. But I really enjoyed it, and it's a little, I think a little comes in a little twelve ounce bottle, so it's not a big twenty two ounce bottle like they normally have, and uh, it's worth trying. So I gave that one a four cap rating for all you guys out there. So if you're if you dig Belgian Golden Ales, uh, give that a shot. And John, I don't remember it. Did have you tried that one yet? No, I haven't had that one either. Okay. So. 
Wow, there's three three. beers you got to try. Three for three. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, John. So now for your normal new and noteworthy beer discussion, what beers you want to talk about? Yeah, so I've got some stuff from outside the bottle share and then, you know, a few things from the trip uh, that I could select from. Um, But I'll just talk about three today. Um, So the first one... uh, on our way back to the airport, uh, we were able to stop and have lunch with uh, a friend of the show and my buddy Wes. Oh, cool. Um, at the Sterling Pig uh, Brew Pub. Uh, they had some really good food, um, nice barbecue and pizzas and stuff like that. Uh, we each did uh, a flight of eight beers. And uh, my favorite of the bunch was a uh, Schwartz beer, their Pata Negra. Mm. Uh, which was just full of flavor, a lot of chocolate, really big malt uh, profile. I mean, it it was so flavorful um, and uh, just absolutely delicious. Um, and I, I really enjoyed that. And, you know, I mean, there were some other really nice um, beers in the flight, but uh, this one just uh, jumped out of me. So uh, if you're in the Philly area, I think you'll probably need to be local to pick it up, but mm-hmm. uh, it, was, it was delicious. Okay, so you recommend uh, were most of those beers on the flight were they pretty decent beers, or did you only have a couple you you enjoyed overall? Uh, no, they were mostly above average. Okay. Um, I think I only had like one that was just kind of so-so for me. Okay, good. Um, but yeah, they had good stuff. Um, so the next one I'll talk about, uh, been out on the East Coast, I took advantage of picking up a few Flying Dog okay. uh, beers, um, including uh, Raging Bitch, which I had never logged before. Ah. I didn't know I'd had it. Um, so I picked up another one of those and uh, refreshed my, my memory. <laughs> <laughs> and kept and wow. kept the wife happy by watching That's the right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the Flying Dog beer I'm going to talk about is uh, Fever Dream. Uh, which was a uh, mango habanero IPA. Oh, no. Um, which sounds like it just is a recipe for disaster. Um, but it was really good. And it, the fruit and the spice, like, it actually gave you some heat, um, and it just worked really well together. It wasn't, you know, you got enough that you could feel it, but it never got overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um but at the same time, the the fruit wasn't overly sweet. They just really balanced it out really well. Um, and so, if you you want to try something that has a little heat, but you know you don't want to uh, not be able to taste anything for a while, uh, this would be a good one to pick up and, and try out. Uh, I, I was surprised how much I enjoyed it, and I I waited and waited and waited. Uh, it was the last beer uh, that I had before we packed everything up. And to bring home because I was nervous about having it and then trying to do anything else. Um, but uh, it turns out that was unfounded. So they did a really nice job putting this one together. Oh, good. So I recommend that one. And uh, the last one I'll mention uh, is from Lagunitas and is the Down Low Ale, uh, which is a take from them on a session IPA and uh, I think you and I are pretty much on the same page a lot of session IPAs just don't really work yeah um, they end up getting grassy from all the hops or 
you know, really aggressive. It just doesn't come together really thin or, you know, and, uh, I'm willing to give Loginus a shot. I was a little concerned cause they tend to go big mm-hmm. on, on all that. And, it, you know, had the potential to be, you know, out of balance or, you know, a little off putting. Uh, but this thing was just very well done, very light, very refreshing. Um, had nice, you know, levels of the hops that, you know, was enough, but not, you know, harsh or uh, astringent or anything like that. Um, it was really good and uh, actually really nice for, you know, a hotter day uh, here in Seattle with no air conditioning. Oh. So um, if you can pick up the down low ale, I'd recommend it. Uh, they do a really good job on uh, Session IPA, and that's not something I usually say. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've had that one yet, so I've, I've been uh, – I need to pick up a – is it? You think it's worth a six pack? Uh, I only saw bombers of it. Oh, bombers! Um, okay, okay, I'll yeah. get a bomber of it then. Uh, but it just popped up the last time I was at the store before we left, so um, should be still be around, I would think. Oh yeah, I, yeah, it should be. Sounds good. I'll give it a shot. Okay, John. Well, guess what time it is? It's time for you to share your triumphant, you know conquering of my untapped uh, check-in, to sync check-in. So where do we stand? So if you pay attention to the Facebook page, a uh, little tease went up there um, after the uh, the bottle share. I think somebody noticed all my check-ins going up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, at that point, I uh, had cut the deficit to 87. Oh, excellent. Um the deficit is now at 73. Oh, um, a beast. So I picked up 23 beers on you over these last uh, couple weeks. Um, but the bottle share and traveling helped a lot with that. So I finally got on the positive end of the travel. You know, yes. That's usually what you use to, <laughs> to get, get pulled back ahead. Um, but, uh, yeah, I had, had – and, you know, the, one of the nice things about this, this uh, past couple weeks is – it's all been like really good. You know, that there's, you know, a lot of times trying a lot of stuff, um, you know, you don't always hit, you know, it's not bad, but it's not something you'd necessarily yeah. want to go get a bunch of. Yeah. Uh, but this week was just, you know, hit after hit after hit. So that's awesome. It was, it was really good. So. Yeah. Well, good job. Gaining John. ground. Good job. Good job. It's only going to get you, you're, it's going. You're on a downhood, downhill swing right now. So just keep up the hard work. Yeah, it's my it's my largest uh, you know per episode gain so far this year. <laughs> All right, excellent. All right, well you know we also had some feedback from our last episode. I love to to just go ahead and highlight some of the conversations that were going on after our show. And I'm going to start off with our buddy Robert at TPS Sponge on Twitter. He's he he says. He does his tasting notes along with us by drinking, listening, and either agreeing or disagreeing with our comments. And he said, luckily, he agreed with our assessment of the Arrogant Bastard L. So thank you, Robert, for uh, participating in our tasting notes segment. And uh, make sure you let us know when we do, when you disagree with what we have to say. Uh, I, you know, it's, 
we all have our own opinions, but we'd love to hear your opinion on those beers too. Yeah, tasting is all subjective. Yeah. There's a you know, reason that we don't always get along on it either. <laughs> so uh, Chris McKenzie, uh, at Chris McKenzie82, uh, responded after we had you know mentioned he gotten his hands on some of those uh, <laughs> whale beers. Yeah. Uh, he said he do- doesn't necessarily chase whales, uh, but he he does have a hookup that brings him to him. So he's a lucky guy. That's right. So. That's right. He is a lucky man. I, I I even this last week I see the stuff he's checking into, and I'm like, how does he do it? I mean, the, the guy must just he has charisma, and people just bring him beers, and that's that's great. That's great. Yeah, I think we're definitely going to have to do a, a road show to, uh, <laughs> yeah, to Florida here. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think that's that's a, that's a need. We need to do a road show. All right, our buddy Jason Lacey at JW Lacey, another Flux Opposed podcast, he said that we nailed his opinion on whale beers, and that he mentioned that in uh, this year that he had no issues at all getting his KBS, and he also didn't have to pay a premium price, which is a bonus. So... Uh, there you go. Now you now you see that if you live in Michigan, KBS is now uh, easily available without paying the premium price. Yeah, not paying that premium, so you have extra money to ship it out here. Right? <laughs> That's that- right. That's right. <laughs> uh, and finally, our uh, buddy Matt at Devious Mr. Matt, uh, he agreed with us on our assessment of the uh, Rheingeist beer and the uh, New Belgium collaboration pack. Uh, that wasn't one of their better ones, but they do have a lot of good stuff. So yeah, uh, he's local. He, he knows his stuff when it comes. Of course, yeah, of course, and he's he's the reason why I am so excited about trying more of their beer because he talks pretty highly of Rheingeist and Mad Tree, and uh, there's one other one, uh, uh, Christian Moreland. Is that one more Christian Moreline? Moreline, yeah. yeah. So th- those are three that I kind of think I need to try out when I go visit Cincinnati because. They sound like they have some good beers. All right. So we also had, of course, some listener questions. Two questions from our buddy Robert at TPS Sponge. He's his first one's a little bit of a story, so hang in with us. Don't give up. It's gonna be a long, it's a long uh, road to get to the final question. But he says he just experienced his uh, second taste of a beer that he rated very low on Untapped. He said this beer by and I'm gonna name the brewery. Because they, you know, so it was downer, but also props up. So I'm gonna make sure they get their props uh, by Sand Creek Brewery. I never heard of them. Must be a local in his area, I'm guessing. And at first, it was a huge disappointment. Now, on his second try, it's delicious with two exclamation points. That's 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 pretty serious. He said the aromas are off-putting, but the taste is perfection. Now he asks, Have you experienced a beer that you dumped and was afraid to revisit? But you made the effort to forget the first introduction and try it again to find that you were totally blown away by how great it is. And this is a hard question for me because I've had so many beers. I don't remember if necessarily I had. I, I can remember one that I disliked so much that I never wanted to have again and then later on had it and enjoyed it. Um, I'm sure I have. I just can't remember anything off the top of my head. But John... By any chance, do you remember or have an example of a beer that you had a similar experience with? Yeah, I was trying to think of something specific, but um, I couldn't. I, I honestly, I, I don't know if I've had something that was like so bad that I, you know, dumped it or wanted to dump it and then was willing to go back. Um, mm-hmm. 
but I've definitely had stuff that I, I didn't like and then, you know, later, uh, you know, had it. And it could have been a bad bottle or, you know, a dirty line somewhere yeah, yeah. or or I was already 10 beers deep and couldn't really <laughs> get the nuance of it or something. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it definitely happens. And I, you know, I, I'm willing to give stuff a shot. Uh, but I don't know. It, it'd have to, uh, I'd have to have some time to heal if mm-hmm. i if i had to dump a beer yeah. to try again <laughs> yeah now now i have a brewery that i continually revisit and i'm disappointed every time i revisit it so it's not quite the same but uh but there's one brewery that's in idaho that uh i literally can pick out the brewery if i have a blind taste test and i know one of their beers and i'll pick the beer out that's theirs because it's i mean every, i haven't had a good beer that they've produced yet so i keep trying just haven't had any good luck, but I but I, I don't have one that I, I that at least I can remember that I tried, hated, and then tried again later and loved. That, that's uh, that's uh, that's a hard one. So sorry, Robert, we couldn't really answer your questions. But if our listeners out there do have an example, let us know. Maybe we you'll you'll re- spark something in our re- our memories that will say the same thing. Maybe we had the same experience with that beer and love to to remember that. Now, Robert also had a second question, and he says, can a frozen beer be saved? Now, um, I've experienced some frozen beers, but the problem is my frozen beers have never been able to be saved because they've blown the top off or broke the stem of the bottle or popped the can, uh, you know, blowed it out. Actually, you know what? That's probably the one time I probably have saved a beer was was uh, in a can that kind of froze and then bloated out, but then I was able to thaw it out and drink it, but I don't remember how it turned out. But John, professionally, can we save frozen beers? Uh, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Um, as long as it's still sealed and, uh, you know, it didn't, uh, rupture in any way, uh, it should be fine. Um, and just, uh, thaw it out. Uh, some people recommend, uh, rotating it. Uh, like if it's a can, like flip it over, you know, partway through it's thawing, um, let stuff kind of mix back up because, uh, the, the liquid in there, it's all going to freeze at different rates. So the water will freeze, uh, fast and then it's going to create like concentrated pockets of everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, alternatively you could let it semi thaw and create your own ice beer. <laughs> uh, if you want to yeah. really experiment, um, but uh, yeah, it should be fine as long as it didn't explode in any way. Okay. Um, but you probably want to prioritize drinking them because they may degrade faster. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's but. my concern is is once that once the water freezes in the beer, separates the water from the beer. I mean, yeah. Does it does it cause a flavor change? Is it going to change the the flavor profile of the beer because of the fact that it was you know, all the water was removed and then put back in and wasn't mixed correctly. So I, I don't know. If that, have you? Yeah, I've, I've heard mixed opinions on that. Um, I think the majority of us, myself included, probably wouldn't notice. Okay. Um, you know, it might it might not seem as bright or, or something like that, but I think on the whole it's probably going to be okay. Okay. There you go, Robert. So you can save it. Just go ahead and make sure it doesn't explode or damage. Just pull it out and, and then kind of uh, rotate it. Uh, do you recommend – so, John, I wouldn't recommend probably putting it in kind of uh, 
warm liquid or anything. Just probably leaving it out in the in either the refrigerator or on the counter is okay, and just kind of rotating it around. Yeah, I just take it in the fridge. In the fridge, okay. Go the slow route. <laughs> okay, sounds good. All right. Also, set a timer when you stick stuff in the freezer. <laughs> well, so the thing is, is uh, I rarely have ever stuck anything in the freezer, but we have uh, a refrigerator that can, you know, freeze stuff, and we've had some things freeze, um, you know, in our refrigerator. So maybe that's the same problem Robert's had. Maybe his beer fridge sometimes. In certain, you know, in a certain part of the back of the fridge, freezes things more in the front. Maybe, maybe that's the key. But yeah, don't put things in the freezer if you don't have to, and time it so you know you can pull it out before it explodes. Yeah, just in time to drink. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, if you want to be like Robert and all of our other buddies that that had comments to talk about the show, you can do that. It's easy. Just go ahead and contact the show with your comments or questions. You can reach us through email at tapthecraft at gmail.com or on Twitter at tapthecraft. And feel free to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash tapthecraft. And go ahead and leave all the comments, questions, post uh, articles, whatever you want. We take it all. Now is the time that we want to take some a moment to thank the Open Forum Radio Network for supporting our show. They provide the hosting space at openforumradio.com, and if you enjoy the content that John and I put out, then we believe that you will find more great content from all the other great shows that are offered, like the following. Hey, you. Thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft with Denny and John. Now, I know you're a crafty consumer, and if you would like to consume other great podcasts, check out OpenFormRadio.com. We house such podcasts as Opaform Radio Proper, The 40 Cast, Geeks for the Win, I Recommend, Just Press Start, The Married Gamers, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gamers Unscripted, Lost Treasures of Gaming, Primetime, My Peanut Gallery, and many, many more. And please remember to leave these fine fellas a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this show. Again, thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft. Now it's time for our Brew Buzz segment, which the Brew Buzz, if you're new to the to our podcast, is devoted to discussing all kinds of various beer-related topics. And this week, we're going to cover a number of news articles that were brought to us by our listeners and, of course, one from John and I. And uh, we're going to start off with the one that, that we found on craftbeer.com. It's called Five Questions Brewers Wish You Would Ask During a Brewery Tour. Now, this is a, a pretty interesting article because, you know, John and I, we like to go to brewery tours. And I know that a lot of our listeners, they like to go to brewery tours, too. And, of course, uh, when you reach the end of that brewery tour, there's always that moment when the brewer or whoever's giving the tour uh, asks, asks if there's any questions. And, uh, and, of course, whenever that happens, you either hear nothing or you hear a bunch of, you know, in my case, a lot of times I hear a lot of dumb questions. And there's some questions that... Uh, that we need to ask the brewers that they really want to answer and let you know about. And so that's what this article is, is all about. So I'm just going to read a little bit of it here. It says, America's small and independent breweries have stories. They have personalities and their own set of challenges that you may not hear about in the tap room. A brewery tour is your chance to get to know them intimately. And you want to be asking the right questions. And that's a great statement because I've already mentioned on the show, and I think maybe John's probably mentioned it too, is that even though I've... I know how breweries run. I've been on so many brewery tours that, you know, why would I want to go on another one? 
And I've mentioned that the reason I go on the other ones is because that's your opportunity to get those inside stories, to ask those questions that you really are dying about a certain, you know, I go to Grand Teton Brewery, my favorite Idaho brewery. They gave me a private tour. Me and my wife had a private tour, just the two of us. And he, I asked him all kinds of personal questions that if I was in a big group, maybe I wouldn't have asked, you know, and, but they gave me every answer. They, they answered all my questions and everything. And that's what's great about these tours and that's why I go on tours even now after so many years so uh, I like that so um, one of the brewers says this says I would love for our guests to ask more about the breadth of ingredients that breweries are using and not using to make the beers they drink says Merlin Ward head brewer at Ortega Brewing a nano brewery in Brooklyn New York he says imagine if you could ask your your chef why they chose the ingredients they use to make your favorite dish during the brewery tour, you get that opportunity. So that's a good point. You know, a lot of times we know that there's four basic ingredients in, that make your beer, but different breweries do different, you know, they may use a little different uh, technique in, in how they're brewing their beers and what they're, they're using for the ingredients and stuff. You know, maybe they're using a specialty malt that no one else uses, or maybe they're using a lot more oats or something else that is not typical in normal brewing. So it's good to, to find out what unique ingredients. And of course, a lot of local breweries are using local ingredients also. So, you, you, you know, you'll be curious to find out where, you know, where they're getting that and what they're doing with their waste, too, is always interesting. So uh, Jeff Stuffings, the founder and co-owner of Jester King Brewing in Austin, Texas, which is one of my, uh, my well breweries I want to go to one time. I mentioned that on our well show. He wishes that more tour goers would ask, are there laws that make it more difficult to operate your business successfully? And what can we do to help change them? Now, John, yeah, I can honestly say I would never think to ask this yeah. question at a brewery, uh, but I can understand being in Texas, why he would want people to ask the <laughs> question. Uh, Cause they have some very, very restrictive laws for breweries there. Yeah. Yeah, so this is a question that I would think that you might might now, of course, now you know about it, you might think about asking because maybe one day, you know, your your dream might be to open a brewery of your own and you might want to be ahead of the game and 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 uh, either knowing the laws or working to change the laws for by the time you get to that point, you'll be ready. So thankfully in Washington we already have a very uh nice climate for, for Okay. That. Okay, but you you know what you may not just you may decide to open it somewhere else too. So maybe, yeah, maybe it's always possible. Uh, Alicia Grasso, uh, marketing director at Cape May Brewing Company, I just had one of their IPAs on my trip. Oh, uh, is there in New Jersey? Uh, says uh, this one where they ask questions that her colleagues would love to field. Uh, why does Cape May have so many rules? No kitchen, <laughs> no live entertainment, required tour, <laughs> and this goes straight back to the. Are there laws that make it more difficult to operate your business successfully? Yeah. Um, because in New Jersey, a brewery can't sell beer directly to the consumer. Uh, they can give beer as part of the tour. Ah. So you'll go and you'll pay $10 for the tour and you'll get, I think, two pints. You know? Oh, okay. Um, but uh, I was talking with my aunt and uncle about this when I was out there. And uh, so they went to, uh, I think it actually was Cape May, and they're like, well, do you want the, you know, the full tour or the self-guided tour? <laughs> and like, well, uh, we'll do the self-guided tour. And they hand them a sheet of paper. And they said, just walk through there and then we'll get you a beer. <laughs> and, uh, um, so it, it's kind of ridiculous what 
some breweries have to go through um, for some of this, but uh, you know, it 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 should be uh, simpler to just be able to enjoy a beer. Yeah. So they have five more questions that uh, brewers wish that we would ask during a tour. Uh, so number five, uh, how is your beer connected to the local area? Hmm. Um, so I think this goes back to, you know, you know, what do you choose to make your beer with? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that, that kind of, you know, is a careful thought go, often goes into weaving local ingredients and history into beer recipes and beer names. Uh, you may never know that, the 1903 Berliner Weiss at St. Petersburg Green Bench Brewing Company is named for the year the city was founded. She didn't ask. Oh, uh, I, you know what? I've had that beer a number of times, and I didn't know what the 1903 was when I drank it. I thought it must have been some significant date, but now we know. There you go. Yeah, I just learned know. something. I just learned something. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, there's another question. It says, What's unique about your beer? Why is it relevant? I love this question. And this is something that I think, you know, we need to ask is, you know, ask brewers, what, why are you brewing beer? You know, you know, especially here in, in Boise, you know, we're, we're a fairly small community, yet we're, our craft beer is booming huge. I mean, you know, 20, breweries in a small area how are we going to sustain all those breweries with you know and what so these brewers have to have you know some relevance you know something that is different that's gonna that's gonna woo the customers to them versus the other breweries out there and it says uh, each and every small and independent brewery in the u.s is trying to find a way to stand out and when you ask what's different at a particular brewery you're going to learn some very specific techniques your favorite breweries are using. I think that's a good. Uh, yeah, that's a good question, and I'm going to use that question when I go visit Bend, Oregon next, because Bend, Oregon is the same thing. It's a small little community, but it's booming in great craft breweries. And you know, what 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 possesses someone to build a brewery in a spot that already has so many great breweries in it? You have to have a, you have to have something special. So I want to find out what that special thing is. Yeah, I, I could see asking, you know, what's unique, but I, I think I'd feel condescending if I was like, why is that relevant? Not, <laughs> I don't know. No, only, only if you no, but but only if you you have to you have to preface it with the same thing, like, wow, there's so many great breweries. You know, why did you choose here, and why, you know, what what relevance are you providing? You know, you can do it in a way that's not I, condescending. I know, but I think the word itself brings a connotation with it, even if, you know, but I think if you ask about what's unique, that's like bringing out the positive, but why is it relevant kind of has a, you know, more. That is more negative, huh? Downside to it. Because you're kind of, yeah, you're already kind of saying it like, well, why should, you know. Yeah, you're already kind of saying this doesn't matter to me. Like, prove it. (laughs) Okay. All right. Okay. The next question, uh, which beer was your first craft beer? This is a question a lot of beer lovers ask their friends, and brewers say they want to tell you about the craft beers that made them fall in love with brewing, too. So everyone wants to share their story about what hooked them, even to people who are uh, even to people who are making the beer. So, wow, I never crossed my mind to ask them what you know their first craft beer was that got them into craft beer, but maybe I will do that now. I've always asked what their favorite beer is of the of the brewery they you know they brew. I've asked that, you know, and, and why, and, and, 
But yeah, I never thought to ask him what their first craft beer was. Have you ever done that, John? No, and I, you know, I was thinking like I usually, I'm, I tend to get like tunnel visioned into the brewery itself, yeah. and not so much the people behind the beer. That's true. But that it's a good. Uh, I, I like this one too. You get, you know, especially a lot of these small craft breweries. The the brewery is just a name. It's really these folks that are doing it. So yeah, uh, I like that one a lot. Uh, so another question, uh, is working at a brewery different than what you thought it would be? Um, I guess yes for a lot of folks, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of cleaning. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it says working to build America's small and independent brewery is a dream job for a lot of us, but is it everything you'd think? Uh, chances are the love of the job still trumps the long hours and sometimes hot, sticky work conditions inside our brewery, but ask, you'll probably get answers you'd never expect. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, Honestly, all the breweries I visit here in the local area, I see the brewers. Uh, they stick around. Some of them do bounce from from brewery to brewery. I don't. I've always kind of wanted to ask, you know, when I see a, a brewer leave one brewery and go to another one in, locally, like what you know, what made them leave? What they, you know, you know, sometimes it's because they're, instead of being an assistant brewer, they're now the the head brewer, or you know, maybe there's a new opportunity that a new brewery is opening, and they you know they want to get in on the ground floor versus being just another body i mean there's there's things like that but uh uh, but yeah i i i see that a lot of them stick around a lot of them just love the craft of it and i think that's why they do it they love the craft things that uh that they enjoy and it make people happy and they do it for the love of it i mean that's they're not doing it for the money because i don't think the money is really there they do it just for the passion I, i believe but yeah, we'll have to ask them if if they made a good choice or not. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, you know, I, I think the passion is is the big thing for a lot of folks. Yeah. All right, and the last question: uh, What efforts do you make to be environmentally friendly? I think this is going to be a big one as we go yeah. forward. Um, especially with so many breweries, and it's it's a resource intensive uh process to make beer. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, Georgia's Sweetwater Brewing Company is donating $100,000 to its Save Our Water campaign this summer. And New Belgium Brewing is deeply committed to its sustainability goals. Uh, Jester King, which we mentioned earlier, is now farming 58 acres of land around the brewery. Uh, It says small and independent breweries are well aware of the resources used to make good beer. They'd love to tell any tour group how they're working towards being good stewards of the land and our planet. Mm -hmm. And... uh, I know here in Seattle, this is a big, uh, big thing. And um, one brewery that I know has done this a ton uh, is Fremont. Um, and they're currently putting together a, a large production facility um, offsite from the current um, pub. And uh, there's been a whole bunch of um, posts about some of the stuff that they're building into this facility. And, you know, None of it is cheap and makes sense, you know, if if you're just looking at two options on a balance sheet. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's not, not always what was important. Um, so, yeah, I, I like this one. And I think moving forward, it's it's going to be uh, pretty big in terms of the industry. Yeah. So. Yep, I think so, too. I think so, too. Well, great. So that's our, that's our article we brought. We also have a couple articles from our buddy... Uh, David at Yojimbo2000. He 
linked on our Facebook page. So if you want to, you have articles you find around there and you want to go ahead and share it with us, hey, you can link it right to our Facebook page. So feel free to do that. Yeah, so the, the, uh, the article is for Miller Coors announcing another craft beer deal or acquisition. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I saw this on my on my trip, uh, and I was very surprised uh, when Miller Coors uh, announced that it had reached an agreement to take a majority stake in the Eugene, Oregon-based Hop Valley Brewing yeah. Company, yeah. Um, who we've talked about on the show. We've yeah. uh, had quite a bit of their stuff. And Great beer. Great beer. They, they do um, good stuff. And, uh, yeah, it, says it comes just about a week after uh, Miller Coors said it was taking a majority interest in Terrapin Brewing Company. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I knew they already had a stake in Terrapin, but they must they increased their position. Yeah, they had, they had a quarter right before. They had a quarter. I think. Yeah, it, I think it was just enough to make them not a, a, a craft, craft brewery, beer, yeah. according to the the Brewers Association. But um, that's another brewery that I picked up one of their beers. I had their Wake and Bake oh, stout when I was out there. That's nice. really good. Yeah, um, could have made my list. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, excellent, delicious. I just uh, it it got they got bumped. Um, for sake of brevity, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. It, I'm not surprised by you know this stuff. I think this is going to become uh, more and more what we're what we're seeing. Um, and I I still maintain what I've said all along. As long as the beer stays good, I'll keep drinking it. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I just um, I mean, Hot Valley is is fairly new into the craft beer scene, so I I just man they they got recognized pretty quickly i guess and then and i don't know I, again i don't know the background if if these bigger beer companies are like pinging a bunch like hundreds of craft breweries a month and then these are the ones that kind of come back and say yeah we're interested and that's why they they work a deal out or if they're actually being more selective and you know trying to hand pick certain ones it just seems odd that hop valley would be you know selected out of all the the breweries out there I know that at least uh, one of the big brewers has in the past taken a bit of a shotgun approach. Mm-hmm. And because um, I've heard reports um, from a number of Washington brewers all in the same time frame receiving uh, emails and letters to the effect of, you know, some holding company uh, yeah, is interested yeah. in talking to them about, <laughs> you know. Um, and I mean, it's essentially a front for. Uh, you know, some equity firm that is brokering, trying to broker a deal for one of the large macro breweries. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm sure there's a, a bit of both. Um, you know, you can, it's easy to blast out an email to, yeah, to a, a bunch, bunch of, of, yeah. Both, yeah. Um, rather than trying to cold call everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, the one good thing about this is Hop Valley does make some very good beers and now it will allow again allow this beer that's in a pretty restrictive you know distribution zone to be able to get out to more area of the of the country i think that is a a positive take on it um and hopefully they won't you know they'll be able to get more resources and and that money will help them grow and it won't you know it won't be negative like people think it will be i'm i'm keeping my fingers crossed because i don't want to see them disappear because like i said i i really enjoy their beer and and i i like to see them succeed so i'm okay with it too and i'm wondering if this 10th and blake beer company you know it's like a 
a branch off of the Miller Coors. I wonder if eventually they'll have enough breweries in there that they'll just break away totally and they'll be their own, you know, craft beer uh, alliance or coalition or company, you know, like a, like another big beer, but it's big beer and craft beer, you know, entities instead of maybe, I don't know. Maybe that's going to happen too. Uh, I don't know. Or, or it'll be enough of something that they can point to when they're, are trying to make their really big mergers and say, see, we're <laughs> yeah. you know, diversified. That's true, yeah. yeah. It could be. It could be. All right. Well, that's all we want to talk about that. We don't like to dwell on these because uh, it's happening quite often now. But uh, we just wanted to let you guys know that that did happen. Uh, another article from David he provided from the L.A. Times. Now, David lives down in the Southern California area over there by Robert, and he likes to link stuff to, uh, locally. So this was an L.A. Times article it was, on, it was called Saisons, Four Beers to Drink This Summer. And you guys all know how I love my Saison beer. Now, the article goes into a little bit of details about what the Saison is. And, you know, we already talked about Saison uh, guidelines. It's basically a farmhouse ale brewed seasonally uh, in the area uh, in uh, southern Belgium, northern France. Is that correct? Is I got those? I think my geography is correct. And uh, in that farmland area... And uh, it uses some, uh, it has a little bit, of, you know, it has the the saison uh, wild yeast uh, characters and and stuff. So uh, we've talked en- enough about that. Everyone knows I love the saison. So they list four four beers that you should drink this summer if you can get. Now some of these are probably not going to be relate, you know, available in everyone's area, but we'll talk about them. And the first one, of course, is the most famous. The most famous from uh, uh, Brasserie Dupont is called Saison Dupont. Um, it is a, it is the I think the the one saison that is uh, you know that that every other saison is measured to. You think that's true, John? Yeah, I think when people start talking saison, that this is usually we're at the top of the discussion. Okay. So. Okay, and. Uh, reading what they have to say about it, it says the Saison Dupont is a yardstick that other Saisons are judged against. And it's been a popular Belgian import for nearly 30 years. And it's credited with inspiring hundreds of imitations from American craft brewers. It's brewed at the Brasserie Dupont in the Hainaut province, just 10 miles from the French border. The hazy golden ale balances a refreshing hoppy bite with the complex fermentation character that's the signature of Saison beers. Uh, ex- uh, expect notes of black pepper and pear with a dry finish and a lively carbonation. And all I'm going to say is that you should be able to find this in your bottle shop. Uh, some, you know, if you have a good bottle shop, you should be able to find this. Uh, and it's worth it's worth picking up and trying. Uh, I, I I I think it's very good. What about yeah, you, John? I've, you like uh, it? I've apparently never logged this, but I know I've had it before. So uh, I have to go go refresh my memory again on an, another beer that I've had and haven't logged. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one to to re you know, you have to rebalance your you know, your judging skills, you know, because every so often you got to reset back to the standard. That's right. You got calibrate. I'll, I'll study the <laughs> the the guidelines and then drink a saison dupont. Okay. All right. What's what's the next one, John? So, the next one is from Logsdon Farmhouse Ales. It's a saison breda. This says, founded in 2009, uh, this all-organic brewery on a 10-acre farm in Hood River, Oregon, produces an assertive Saison that mirrors the sprightly flavors of DuPont. Uh, Saison Breda, that's the Flemish 
Well, it's it's spelled S E I Z O E N, mm-hmm. which uh, says that's a Flemish spelling of saison. Uh, is conditioned with the wild yeast uh, Brettanomyces for further complexity. Uh, the bread accentuates the dry finish, adds even more effervescence, and creates a range of earthy, even musty aromas. Mm. Uh, the hint of funk is subtle, and the brew is unchallenging. Though at eight percent alcohol, it's firmly on the potent end of the saison yeah, spectrum. Yeah, yeah, that's really that big is for really me. strong. <laughs> now, I have never even heard of this brewery, and it's in Hood River, which is Hood. I pass through Hood River all the time, but I never have time to stop there and drink beer because it's usually too early, or you know, because I'm usually passing through there when I'm when I'm driving from Portland back home and I'm leaving at 9 in the morning and I get there at 10 and I'm not going to wait around till 1 o'clock to the brewery's open. So I never actually stop there and get, you know, the beers that I want to taste. But now I'm going to have to because there's Freem, there's Full Sail, of course, and there's Logsdon Farmhouse Ales that I have to go try this beer. Have you ever heard of this brewery? Yeah, I've heard of the brewery before, um, but I haven't had any of their beers. All right. So. It's a mission now. we got to do it. Yeah, we'll we'll add that on the road show. We'll okay, just, yeah. We'll start out here on the West Coast and just work our way down to Florida. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be awesome. All right, the next one is the Lost Abbey Carnival. And this is uh, released each year around Lent by San Diego's preeminent crafter of Belgian-inspired beers, the Lost Abbey of San Marcos. The light and hoppy saison blends of citrus and fruit aromas of American hops with an earthy depth uh, provided by a dose of Brettomyces introduced at bottling time. The Brett bottle conditioning means that the beer will evolve month to month. And where a fresh bottle open in spring is bright and hoppy, by midsummer, the citrus and stone fruit impressions fade and the Brett character becomes more prominent. Now, this is a beer I've been wanting to try, but I haven't got my hands on because we, we don't get Lost Abbey here. I need to have my, our buddy Robert send me a bottle, but I'm not going to have him do that because he's already sent me enough beer. I really appreciate it, though. But, John, have you had that beer? I have had that beer. And, and how um, is it? It's very nice. And I actually had this uh, while listening to founder of Lost Abbey, Tommy Arthur, uh, give his keynote speech at in San Diego. Oh. Uh, at the Homebrewers uh, Conference. So, um, quite an experience. Okay. Uh, it was nice. All right. All right. So, it's on my, it's on my list of, of saisons I have to try before I die. All right, and the, the last uh, Saison on the list is from Brewery West, uh, Dog Ate My Homework. <laughs> um, and it says, adding fruit to beer has lost its stigma. It is now one of the hippest trends in craft brewing. And Brewery <laughs> West, the Belgian-inspired brewery that opened in San Pedro earlier this year, is no stranger to either fruited beers or to the Saison style. The tap list of the Puerto Los Angeles tasting room is regularly stacked with farmhouse ale farmhouse styles and dog ate my homework as a gluttonous amount of blackberry puree and concentrate to a light and grainy base ale. Uh, the result is a purple hued glass that is neither sweet nor tart, but still tastes richly of berries. Interesting, huh? Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Saison itself is a very open-ended, um, beer style, at least for judging. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it it does come from that farmhouse uh, lineage, you know, just a beer that everybody kind of made yeah. on their own and it's its own thing. But uh, I don't know, you know, in, in competition, I don't know that I would say that a, a fruited Saison is 
uh, welcome in the yeah. standard Saison category. Uh, but uh, yeah, but in, in terms of a you know an article like this, I I, I don't I think it's fine. But um, I don't think I've really had a strongly fruited Saison before. They're so. they're coming out. Uh, I mean, I I've been hit with more fruited saisons lately than I can imagine. In fact, cucumber, I've had a cucumber saison. Uh, last week, I have another one I bought uh, this weekend that, that I haven't had yet. That is another cucumber saison, uh, which is odd. Why cucumber has all of a sudden become a huge, well, vegetable to put in in beer? But uh, it's but, because it gets you a big buyout. No, <laughs> too soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe that's it. It's all this excess of uh, the crush, and they had to go for it. But I, I have been seeing more fruited saisons, and although they are pleasant, I, in my mind, I still want to call them fruit beers and not necessarily the saison. I mean, it has saison characters, like a fruit beer with saison character. But I don't know. It's hard for me to to put in. My, to me, a saison doesn't have that fruity fruity flavor. It it just I don't know. I, I like more of a traditional style, and that's my own preference. Yeah. But it also sounds like this place needs to be tacked on the road trip. It's yeah, stacked with the uh, whole a bunch lot of, of farmhouse. Of course, you know. Yeah, you know how that's my thing. But it's only been open for a year, so I, I mean, it's, this is or actually, it's only been open earlier this year. So it's only been less than a year. It's only a few months. It's been open. Like, yeah, that's incredible that they're already making a list uh, of a beer that you a saison you must try this summer. On a brewery that just opened, so it must be pretty damn good. All right. Yeah, so uh, Robert's going to go check it out for us. Yes, Robert. Go, well, I'm not sure. Is San Pedro near him? Well, I said they have a port of Los Angeles. Oh, okay. Tasting room. That's yeah. There we go. That works. That works. All right. Well, now our last article we're going to discuss was actually brought to us by three different people. They are all hitting us up with it. Of course, our buddy David, our buddy Jason Lacey, and my friend from. Uh, from Israel, but he's living in New York right now, uh, Amit. Uh, they all sent me this article and posted it on our either Twitter or on our Facebook. And this is the best job ever. The Smithsonian is hiring a craft beer historian. And, of course, everyone thinks that, uh, that that's a great job. But you know what? That sounds like a lot of work, uh, which should kind of be fun, right? I think going out and finding out the history of beer and uh, traveling around and collecting collectibles and things to bring back to Smithsonian to have an exhibit on it uh, would be fantastic. That seems like fun, but um, I don't know. I think there's a lot more people that are more uh, educated and and skilled than me to do that. I would just want to drink the beer. You know, I wouldn't want to do the work. <laughs> you just get a little distracted. <laughs> yeah, I get distracted. I get distracted. So yeah, they they'd be paying for you to you know travel around and do research. Yeah, and we have yeah. a different idea of what research meant. Yeah, <laughs> and I haven't actually read the job, you know, outline on what the job would pertain. We're, we're guessing it's doing research on tasting the beers, which is probably a little bit, but I think it's a lot more you know real research. You know, I'm I'm okay at writing papers and stuff, but uh, we'll see. But uh, Basically, they want to. Um, there's a new initiative on American brewing history for their uh, National Museum of American History. So they want to put in an exhibit that you know talks about beer and booze, along with their other foods and stuff that they have. Uh, it says that uh, the Smithsonian needs a beer connoisseur whom they will pay to travel and conduct quote. 
archival and field research. Uh, the listing doesn't say that one will be drinking copious amounts of delicious craft brews, but we can read between the lines. And I like that. Uh, it says, of course, the job isn't all happy hours and brewery tours, but it still sounds fascinating. The historian will do research, documentation, and look at potential artifacts and work as part of their food history team, focusing specifically on brewing methods and beer-based businesses developed after 1960. So they asked, uh, why now? This is a great moment to be thinking about the fact that small brewing has become so much part of a community life and regional history. Uh, the museum should be slowly rolling out the new program's finding over time. So that's the job. If you're interested, go apply and let us know if you get an interview and if you get the job and then hook us up. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, give you tours. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> give you tours. All right, John, um, we are going to roll this show to an end. But before we close out, is there anyone you would like to raise a glass to this episode? Uh, first, to everybody that gave feedback and Robert for his questions. Uh, it's great uh, getting that discussion going and, you know, keeps us uh, motivated between the shows. So, <laughs> all the beer discussion. So, oh, yeah. It's nice to have. Oh, yeah. um, and then uh, finally, uh, toast to my brother-in-law Nate and his new bride Caroline. Uh, congratulations on the wedding and uh, way to roll with it. Yeah, did awesome. So. Yeah, congratulations <laughs> to the newlyweds. That is fantastic. Yeah, and also thank you to all of our fantastic listeners out there who participate in the show by sending us in your questions and comments and everything. We really appreciate it. Keep it up, um, and of course. There is a special day, the day that this podcast is released. If you're listening to it on August 4th, Thursday, August 4th, that is IPA day. So I raise a glass to IPAs, uh, a beer style that I love and John loves. So drink an IPA on IPA day, August 4th. And, you know, I never fail to recognize all the servicemen and women out there who are protecting our freedoms, allowing John and I to raise our glasses to toast and drink that fantastic beer. We appreciate your service and uh, just want to thank you, raise our glass to you, and uh, we hope you get home very soon to your families. And just a reminder, uh, we do have a tasting notes segment Next episode, episode 54, we will be tasting the Ballast Point California Kolsch. Yes, California Kolsch. Go out there and get this great beer and taste along with us. And you can find the beers and links to the articles mentioned on the show in the show notes located on the show post at openforumradio.com. And if you would like to follow us on social media, I can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Loose Screw. And John, how can listeners follow you? On Twitter at Prime Brewing, Untapped, Prime WA. And I officially put a barrel post up on homebrewengineer.com, and there will be more coming. So Excellent. Wow, I can't wait to taste some of that barrel-aged beer from you. Sounds fantastic. All right, well, hey, it is Last Call, and we need to bring the show to a close. We want to thank you for downloading and listening to the show. We ask you to please tell a friend about our podcast and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher Radio or TuneIn Radio or Google Play or however you listen to your podcast. And just as a reminder, we release a new show every two weeks. Now go out there 
and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers. Hello, friends, and <laughs> I always do this with new stuff because I <laughs> season three, a great start. <laughs> hey, hey, when you, when you change things up, you got to get, you got to feel. I got to feel for it. So no, no problem, no problem. It's Here we go. All about the feel. It's all about the feel. We'll do it again. Go ahead, John. Uh, sorry, I accidentally uh, my mouse pad decided to stop working a little bit ago so i have to use my finger on the touch screen and i accidentally like blew it up really big when i tried to scroll down <laughs> and then i was trying to scrunch it back down and get back to where i was sorry my my headphone fell out again <laughs> these things suck i need to find my other ones <laughs> i'm drinking lagunitas from a can what? No. You haven't, you haven't seen this? No. Yeah. They're canning now. This is in a can now. Oh my gosh! They. He vowed. Oh my! He's such a hypocrite, man. That guy. That well, guy, it says on the on the thing. Uh, we wanted to be the last small brewer in the U.S. to can their beer, and maybe finally by now we are. <laughs> no, you're no longer a small craft brewery. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah. He didn't say craft. He said small brewer. Well, he's not even a small brewer. He's still Tech, Well, relatively, they're small from the big brewer still, but... Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm shocked that he caved in, but it makes sense. Like, I'm actually... I like cans. I prefer cans if I can find them in cans. So, good for them for eating crap. But I do like that... Uh, so, I, I log this beer. It's a... Um, it's a one-off, or maybe they'll something they'll keep around. Uh, but the twelfth of never ale. Uh, oh yeah, which I think is, you know, a play on them never do, going to cans because he was so against all the mining and everything. Yeah, 